key components recovered. That's the word from U.S. Northern Command on recovery efforts on the Chinese spy balloon. A senior State Department official noting the craft had multiple antennas mounted on it and was clearly meant for intelligence gathering and surveillance. The FBI now combing through the pieces. China still maintaining it was a weather balloon that flew off course. All questions swirl over the origin and purpose of the three other objects also shot down in the past week. Welcome to China in Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. Updates on the downed Chinese spy balloon. The U.S. military has recovered key electronics from the spy balloon shot down a week ago. The U.S. Northern Command revealed that priority sensors and other components were among the objects found. Let's zoom in. A senior State Department official says the balloon had high-tech equipment on it and multiple antennas. He says the device was clearly for intelligence surveillance and likely capable of collecting and geolocating communications. China on Monday claimed that 10 U.S. high-altitude balloons have flown into its territory throughout the past year without permission. U.S. officials refute the claim. Mass-produced propaganda from Beijing with limited human effort required. A research firm has identified a series of deepfake video clips featuring AI-generated newscasters, all of them broadcasting messages that align with the Chinese Communist Party or CCP. Here are the details. On first glance, these look like news anchors, but they are not real people. They're deepfake avatars made with artificial intelligence. It's unclear who is behind this, but last year, pro-CCP bot accounts sent them out over Twitter and Facebook. But this is the first time we've seen footage of an entirely fictitious fake person used in a politically motivated influence operation. This particular set of videos was promoted by an operation that we call Spamouflage, which we've been tracking since at least 2019, um, and routinely amplifies narratives that align with Beijing's strategic interests. The research from Grafica issued a report on this broader campaign. It says in part, quote, more videos portrayed the U.S. in a negative light than focused on any other theme. These fake news anchors were made with technology from British AI company Synthesia. This technology is spreading rapidly around the world. China's state media has even created a whole team of AI news anchors. The proliferation of deep fake videos makes it dramatically harder to combat disinformation. Next, an update on the green laser beam that appeared in the sky over Hawaii. A live stream camera mounted on a telescope captured the footage in January. The National Astronomical Observatory of Japan, which owns the telescope, suggested the laser came from a NASA satellite. But NASA scientists told the agency that they believe it came from a Chinese satellite called Dati-1. The Chinese satellite mainly measures greenhouse gases, pollutants, among other things. Washington's relationships with Asian allies are strengthening. Diplomats from the U.S., Japan and South Korea met in Washington on Monday. It's the group's fifth discussion in the last two years during the Biden administration's term. Here's what they discussed. All three diplomats expressed concerns over the humanitarian disaster in Turkey and Syria after last week's earthquake. They also highlighted security concerns about North Korea's nuclear weapons program, the war in Ukraine, and tensions with China. U.S. Deputy Secretary of State Wendy Sherman pushed back on Beijing's claims of the U.S. flying surveillance balloons over China and asserted the three countries will counter China's actions in the South and East China Seas. 
There are no U.S. government balloons over the People's Republic of China. None. Zero. Period. We will continue to counter the PRC's destabilizing activities in the South and East China Seas. We will keep working for maintaining peace and stability in the Taiwan Strait. Sherman says the trilateral relationship remains strong and is only becoming stronger. Japan and South Korea are Washington's most important allies in East Asia. Both embrace democratic systems. Two communist neighbors, both with nuclear weapons, operate just next door, China and North Korea. More automotive jobs are headed back to the U.S., but with ties to China. American carmaker Ford plans to build a new U.S. factory, but with help from a Chinese company that's offering certain technology. The plant will be structured so it can still get incentives from the U.S. government. How will that work? Let's take a closer look. Ford Motor Company plans to build a factory in Michigan, specializing in electric vehicle batteries. It's an investment that will total $3.5 billion. The plant would also add at least 2,500 jobs to the U.S. market. But the state of Virginia is characterizing the project as a front for the Chinese Communist Party and says it would raise national security concerns. Because of it, the state dropped out of the race to home the factory. The reason is Chinese company CATL would supply lithium iron phosphate technology, equipment and some workers. But those links to China won't disqualify the factory from getting U.S. tax incentives. That's because a subsidiary fully owned by U.S.-based Ford would own the factory. More than $200 million for the plant came from Michigan's Strategic Outreach and Attraction Reserve Fund. The total size of the incentive package hasn't been disclosed. The company expects to take advantage of U.S. factory tax credits. Plus, buyers would also receive thousands of dollars in tax credits because the vehicles are produced in North America. A major U.S. public pension fund cutting its investments in two companies. One is based in China, the other Taiwan. The New York State Common Retirement Fund is the third largest U.S. pension fund, with assets totaling more than $230 billion. According to its filing with the Securities and Exchange Commission, the pension fund sold more than $8 million worth of shares of Chinese e-commerce giant Alibaba in the fourth quarter. That stake made up more than 10 percent of the company's held shares. The fund also sold its more than $40 million stake in Taiwanese semiconductor maker TSMC. Those changes came amid controversy around another major U.S. retirement plan. The Thrift Savings Plan administers over $800 billion in retirement funding. That money covers over 6 million retired federal employees and service members, including retired Army troops. It invests through a stock market index which includes various companies from different countries. About 8% of those companies are from China. Former President Trump, as well as some lawmakers, have tried to prevent the fund from investing in Chinese companies, only to get the response from the fund board that the Chinese companies are available for American public to invest in. So it should be legal for the thrift members to do the same. Beijing's alleged interference in foreign elections is back in the spotlight. In Canada, a former diplomat says China's disinformation campaign has cost a member of parliament. Here's the story. Canada's House of Commons heard a round of allegations accusing Beijing of meddling in the country's 2021 federal election. In September of that year, then-popular Conservative Member of Parliament Kenny Chu lost his seat. 
but he might still be in office if it weren't for a Beijing disinformation campaign. That's according to former ambassador to China, Charles Burton. He testified at the hearing before Canadian Congress last week. I think what happened in the case of Mr. Chu was that on the same day as there was uh, a poll that came out that showed that the Conservatives might achieve a minority government, then this uh, massive campaign of disinformation on multiple Chinese language websites directed at people in Canada appeared. What made Chu a thorn in the side of the Chinese Communist Party, or CCP? In a bill in April, the politician called for the resignation of those who lobby for foreign governments. He also voted to declare China's treatment of Uyghurs as genocide. CCP-controlled media outlets were quick to blast Chu as a so-called anti-China activist and succeeded in stoking the wrath of the Chinese nationalists overseas. Burton argued that Canada shouldn't back down. My subjective judgment was that the impact was enormous. The longer we remain passive and ineffective, the more encouraged they'll be that they can do more of this and get away with it. No Chinese diplomats have been declared persona non grata, and no agents of the Chinese regime have been brought before a Canadian court to be accountable for alleged uh, criminal activity, that this emboldens the Chinese regime to do much more of it in the next election. Persona non grata means the person is unwelcome. Global News cites a 2017 memo to Prime Minister Justin Trudeau. It lays out evidence of the Chinese regime's infiltration in, quote, all levels of government. It adds that those tactics are designed to influence Canadian officials and to compromise the security of the country. What's more, Beijing has been caught secretly funding Canadian candidates. The Canadian Security Intelligence Service is investigating the situation. Washington is renewing a warning that it will stand and defend the Philippines. That's after a Chinese vessel allegedly directed powerful lasers at a Philippine patrol vessel and briefly blinded some of its crew. The incident took place last week in the disputed South China Sea. The Philippine patrol vessel had been on a mission to resupply its troops there. Beijing claims almost the entire South China Sea as mainland Chinese territory. It also disregards a 2016 ruling by an international court that rejected those claims. On Tuesday, Philippine President Ferdinand Marcos Jr. summoned the country's Chinese ambassador to Manila over the laser incident. The Philippines also sent a diplomatic protest to the Chinese embassy. In 2022 alone, the Philippines filed nearly 200 diplomatic protests against China. On Monday, China responded to the accusations, saying the Philippine Coast Guard ship trespassed into its waters and that the Chinese vessel responded professionally and in accordance with international law. Washington said Beijing's dangerous behavior threatens regional stability and reaffirmed its support for the Philippines. Similar to how the Chinese spy balloon violated U.S. airspace, a new investigative report is shedding light on China's illegal fishing worldwide. From spying to a civilian militia, Chinese fishing practices have it all. But who's paying the price? Let's take a closer look. The rich and ecologically diverse waters of the world's oceans have been a draw for local fishermen for centuries. Now these waters face a larger and much greedier hunter. China. An investigation into China's distant water fleet, vessels operating beyond China's Exclusive Economic Zone, or EEZ, exposed shocking data. 
According to the report by IJ Reportica, China has the largest distant water fleet in the world. From 2019 to 2021, China fished in the exclusive economic zones of over 80 other countries across the globe, except in North America. To put that in perspective, out of China's 47 million fishing hours, Chinese fishermen spent nearly 10 million hours outside their own waters, either on the high seas or in other nations' waters. NTD interviewed IJ Reportica's investigative journalist. Well, surprisingly, Chinese trawlers were also seen in Russia's EEZ. Their activity peaked in September 2022 with over 35,000 hours of legal fishing and over 100,000 hours of dark fishing. Going dark refers to when Chinese ships disable their electronic tracking devices or automatic identification systems, and that's associated with illegal, unreported, and unregulated fishing. As determined by certain global rankings, China is the number one offender of illegal, unreported, and unregulated fishing. Over 60% of its vessels are reportedly involved in such practices worldwide. As a result, the most prominent fishing regions in the west of Africa are getting depleted due to extensive fishing. And locals now protesting against China over livelihood and environmental damages. From countries like Senegal, Ghana, Togo and Pakistan. Despite the ecological and environmental damages there, global alarms have been raised about harm beyond fisheries, the violation of maritime sovereignty. In the Indian Ocean region, besides illegal fishing, Chinese ship activities include intelligence gathering, espionage, information service, and space tracking. IJ Reportica found China's distant water fleet also serves as a maritime militia, meaning Chinese fishermen are given basic military training. Then the armed fishing boats are used to harass vessels from other countries and assert China's sovereignty claims over disputed waters, such as the Senkaku Islands near Japan. Near some East African countries, China's military also escorts Chinese fishing ships around the choke point of the Horn of Africa. It does so in the name of curbing piracy activities from its military base in Djibouti. The heart of illegal fishing is the Chinese goal of hegemony. China's increasing presence near South America can't just be economic. A parallel can be seen in the Chinese regime's cabbage strategy deployed in the South China Sea. It's a tactic used to seize control of an island by encircling that island in layers of Chinese ships, from Coast Guard vessels to fishing boats. Gradually, the ships cut the island off from outside support. Worth noting, IJ Reportica also found Chinese fishing vessels often misused Iranian flags in the Indian Ocean region to fish on an industrial scale. Given the size of China's illegal fishing, is there any legal action being taken against it? There was legal pushback, but the CCP doesn't play by international rules, and countries are at a loss under its legal system. Though Chinese fleets are often present in the waters surrounding Africa, Asia, and South America, Many of these regions lack the resources to enforce stringent marine conservation standards. That makes them an easy target for illegal fishing practices. Another consequence, the entire planet may pay the price for China's illegal fishing. The pollution caused by the Chinese vessel is significant. Apart from pollution, Chinese trawling is considered an ecologically taxing fishing activity that causes a lot of damage to marine life, marine habitats, coral reefs, and seabeds, leading to ocean acidification, warmer seas, and reduced oxygen levels in the water. Longliners are China's second most used fishing vessels, but they're detrimental to the environment. Here's why. Chinese longliners kill endangered species by mistakenly catching them 
and are also infamous for ghost fishing. It's the deadliest form of commercial fishing, caused when fishing gear continues to trap and kill wildlife after being lost or abandoned by ships. IJ Reportica has also discovered that the Chinese fleet generates a lot of waste, which ultimately lands in the world's oceans. For instance, around the Galapagos Islands in the Pacific Ocean, experts estimate that 30% of the garbage collected on their shores comes from Chinese fleets that fish there. Coming up, do the ongoing balloon incidents mark a new Pearl Harbor moment for America? We spoke to Casey Fleming, CEO of Black Ops Partners, for his take and about what Americans can do. His comments after the break here on China in Focus. Welcome back to China in Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. Four balloons, one of them from China. But what about the other three? We sat down with Casey Fleming, CEO of Black Ops Partners, to find out more about the balloon's origins and why he calls the situation a Pearl Harbor moment for the United States. Casey, thank you so much for joining us. Great to have you back on the show. Thank you for having me. So it seems almost every day we have another object being shot down after the Chinese surveillance balloon. We also had three other objects, one in Canada and then two others. One of them was described as an octagon. What are we seeing here? What's the significance? What's really happened is very key. These balloons that are coming across the United States and in other parts of the world, South America and and others as well, these balloons are today's Pearl Harbor moment. It's very serious, okay? And when I say that, you know, Americans are typically the kind of people that say, hey, listen, I'll believe it when I see it. Those of us who work in counterintelligence have seen this all day, every day for for decades of what's going on under the scenes in the CCP's unrestricted warfare strategy to eliminate and destroy the United States and the free world. And so the balloons are, you know, they accomplish several things. Number one, it's psychological warfare because they're entering uh, sovereign territory, sovereign airspace. And those of us that go outside and look at the bright star, bright stars and those starry nights, those Texas nights or wherever we are, um, those are protected by the United States. And some, you know, no foreign adversary is ever going to penetrate our skies. And they did. And so that's that's number one, to show weakness and, and to threaten the United States and say that you're no longer on top. And uh, uh, so you can assure you can be rest assured that you watch the news programs throughout China. They're saying, yes, the United States is weak. China is the most powerful and all that's being used to to handle psychological warfare, um, showing that the American that the United States is weak and the CCP is uh, stronger. The United States is a declining power and the CCP is a rising power and the only one with the ability to to take over and run this run the world, albeit not a free world, but a communist, a Chinese communist world. So this is the aha moment, you know, aha, and it'll go down, I believe, and in my opinion, uh, in history as the aha moment where the American people finally woke up uh, that uh, they're at war. And this is an unrestricted war, unlike any wars in the past. And that's really what that was tracking our response. First of all, when the balloons entered our airspace in Alaska on the Aleutian Islands, 
and then also uh, traveling through North America and then pausing and hovering and and loitering over our nuclear facilities and how we communicate from satellites up to from those facilities up to um, uh, our satellites and then finally out to sea over uh, South Carolina. So. The balloons are absolutely military balloons. They are not weather balloons. And I think we also just heard a report that uh, China is saying now that, the, well, the U.S. has flown 10 balloons over China over the last 10 years. And for those, who, those of us who know about uh, technology and uh, capabilities, the U.S. doesn't need to fly balloons. OK, we've, we've got other things that we can do. In fact, they've even said the CCP says, you know, balloons are the quiet submarines of the past. But we can we can launch very destructive payloads from these balloons. That's basically a quote from the Chinese Communist Party um, threatening the United States and the free world. So anybody still doing business in China and buying Chinese goods and services, all you're doing is funding the Chinese Communist Party to take over America, your family, your children your grandchildren. So I would I would caution Americans to really look for other sources to, to spend their money. And then secondly, vote people in office, state, federal, local government that are not infiltrated and subverted by the CCP. And Casey, zooming in on the balloons section. So we know the first one for sure was a Chinese surveillance balloon, but the other three objects, it seems so far, we don't know the countries they come from or exactly what they're used for. From our counterintelligence, and you know the weather patterns, look at the jet stream and where the jet stream's coming from. That's really what's what's directing these balloons. You can absolutely guess where they're coming from. They're all coming from virtually the same place. And you mentioned that this, you know, is our Pearl Harbor moment. So how should we be responding? We should respond by not buying Chinese products whatsoever, uh, making sure any of our investments are not investing in China and um, staying educated on this subject, ed educated on unrestricted warfare, understand that these, these events that are happening throughout the world and they'll continue to happen, they'll be more frequent and more serious, that you have to understand it's not the world we lived in five years ago. It's not the world we lived in 10 years ago. We have an adversary who wants to take us over. So stay educated, stay alert. Uh, if, if you want more information, a lot of times we hear people say, hey, you know, do you have more detail? Can you give us more detail? So we put that information on our company page on LinkedIn and you can follow our company page. So we post articles every day connecting the dots on unrestricted warfare. That's all for today's China in Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. If you have any feedback on the show or have something you'd like to see us cover, send us an email at chinainfocus at ntd.com. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for watching. See you tomorrow.